and welcome to Podcasts at Midchurch. This podcast is the fourth episode in a series that we did at Midchurch way back in 2014 entitled Raising Our Sails. And the series looked at the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Using imagery from the scriptures, each episode attempts to answer two questions. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do? In this episode, we look at the Holy Spirit as Paraclete. Imagine the scene. Bernie is appointed to serve as the South African ambassador to Lithuania. It is naturally a very important posting, and he wants to excel as ambassador. And just before the big move to Vilnius, which is the capital of Lithuania, he has a terrible nightmare. He dreams that when he gets there, it turns out that his Lithuanian lessons have been woefully inadequate, that the social nuances are much more complex than he had imagined. And each night, you know, as he's dreaming this dream, each night in his dream, he prepares like crazy for the various activities in his program for the following day, but he lands up using the wrong fork kissing on the wrong cheek, mispronouncing names, misunderstanding people's comments. In his dream, this goes on day after day. He really wants to succeed. As we know, Bernie wants to do in all things. But no matter how hard he tries, he just keeps failing. And because his confidence is shot, his nervousness reveals itself in clumsiness. And so at a state dinner, he trips and he spills sherry all over President Dalia Gribauskait's dress. And he jerks awake in a cold sweat with a scream of, No! Diana, Bernie's Lithuanian wife, wakes and asks him what the matter is. And he explains and his heart is still racing. And she gently takes his hand and tells him that it will be all right because she will be by his side all the time. And she will prompt him and she will advise him and she will guide him and he will land up learning to enjoy and love the people and the city and the culture of Vilnius. And so Bernie puts his head back down on his pillow, calm and assured, knowing that all he needs to do now is make sure that his marriage remains strong. Now, as you know by now, we are in the midst of an exciting series on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, which we've entitled, Raising Our Sails. And we're answering two questions. Who is the Holy Spirit and what does He do? Who is the Holy Spirit and what does He do? And what we've discovered is that the Scriptures use a number of analogies and illustrations and images to help us in this regard. And each week we have been focusing on one of those images uh, about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. And we started with the most familiar image, that is the Spirit as uh, breath or wind. Ruach is the Hebrew word, literally meaning breath, the breath of God, and hence the raising our sails, that we raise the sails of our lives so that we can catch the wind 
of the Holy Spirit as we are moved uh, by Him. And then we reflected on the image of the Holy Spirit as the life-giving water of God. And then two weeks ago, the Spirit as fire, in which we were reminded that the Spirit helps us burn brightly with zeal and with power and with courage and with boldness in our lives. And just like that fire of the burning bush that Moses encountered didn't consume that bush, so the Holy Spirit does not consume us. And in fact, we learnt that we are able to quench the fire of the Spirit within us. Being filled with the Spirit is about giving Him control. It is not so much about how much of the Spirit we have as it is about how much of us the Spirit has. Very important point. It is not so much how much of the Spirit we may have. It is how much He has of us. And today we're going to learn a little bit more about Him as our paraclete. Now what on earth is a paraclete? It is not a parakeet, as someone who will go unnamed in our church office thought I said this week. Paraclete comes from the Greek word parakletos. The New Testament written in Greek. It's the Greek word parakletos, which means helper. It means companion, advocate, comforter, counselor. The Greek literally means one who is called, kletos, one who is called alongside, para. I mean, we use this prefix para regularly, like parastatals are organizations alongside uh, the government. In exactly the same way, parakletos is the Holy Spirit who comes, is called or who comes alongside us. And the most common depiction of this characteristic of the Holy Spirit is the dove. Um, as we have on our, one of our banners, you know, in our, in our church logo, we have the dove kind of flying, sending us, the Spirit sending us out um, into the world, as it were. When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit descended in the form uh, of a dove, symbolizing the peace and the guidance and the counsel that the Holy Spirit gives. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament as we talk about the Spirit as counselor. In Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34, we read about a prophecy that Jeremiah makes about a change in the way God is going to deal with us. From the way he was dealing with his people in the Old Testament to the way he deals with us in the New Testament. Because the way he dealt with his people uh, in the Old Testament is a place where God worked from the outside in. He had a whole set of rules and regulations um, on the outside, as it were, listed that were trying to get into people's lives and hearts. And he moves, and this prophecy is about him moving to a different way of dealing with us, where in fact he moves not from the outside in, but from the inside out, through the work of his Holy Spirit. So Pam, if you put it up for us, and follow, it is Jeremiah 31. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds... I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord. In other words, these are the rules um, and you must know what they are. Because they will all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. 
God was saying through Jeremiah that a time would come, and in fact that time has come. We're living in those times. Since the time of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago, he's saying, because Jeremiah's you know, Old Testament, so a time will come, God says, and it has now already come, when the law will be put into our minds and written on our hearts, instead of being putting on clay tablets and being put into the square box of the Ark of the Covenant. And what this means is that the Holy Spirit, now within us, helps us intuitively to know what is right and what is wrong. This is why Jesus could summarize the Ten Commandments or the whole law of the Bible. They say, Jesus, uh, 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 tell us the most important. And he says, love the Lord your God and love others. Because Jesus knew that a time was coming after he would go and the Spirit would come. A time would come when the Holy Spirit working through us would allow us to take care of the rest. If we're loving God and we're loving, the, uh, and we're loving others, we will know how to act in situations. We will know what is the right and what is the wrong thing. And it is because of the Spirit within us, working inside, outward, not outward, inside. And so it is no longer about the letter of the law. And, and the Apostle Paul writes a lot about that in, in the letter to the Romans in the New Testament. It's not about the letter of the law, but the Spirit of the law. And, I'm, and here I'm not meaning small s, as we often speak about the Spirit of the law, meaning the intention of the law. Uh, when I... When, Somebody else may well not stop properly at a red traffic light because they're turning short left. And there's no other traffic around. And one of, my one of their children will say, Dad, it's a red traffic light, you should stop. And then you would say, yes, 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 but the spirit of that law is to, for our safety. But there are no other vehicles around, so therefore I can short left. So that's what it means when we talk about the spirit of the law. But that isn't what I'm meaning here. When we say that the law is no longer, no longer written as a down as a, on that tablet on the outside, it's now written in us, it is the spirit of the law. The law is the spirit of God working within us. So big S, the spirit of the law working within us. So Jeremiah was saying that we're able to have a personal and intimate relationship with God in which the spirit draws alongside us, prompts us, guides us as our counselor. I'd like to take, to you, take you to some familiar passages in John's Gospel where Jesus speaks on these very things. Now, the context of what we're going to read is it is the night of Jesus' arrest. He's just had his last supper with his disciples um, and, he's, about, and he's, a, he's heading off to the Garden of Gethsemane and to go pray. And on his way with his disciples, it begins to sink in what Jesus has told them, that he's leaving them. And they're a little frightened, a little anxious, a little uncertain. And so he assures them. And the first reading is from John 14. So Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or counselor, some Bibles say counselor, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives. Where does he live? He lives with you and he lives in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you, meaning the Spirit. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, always love his little comments that the gospel writers make, just so we don't get confused that this wasn't the bad Judas. 
Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them, and some translations, within them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. And then a little later, in the same conversation, in John 16, he says to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. He's meaning physically going away, you know, with his ascension, after his resurrection. Unless I go away... The advocate, the counselor, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have so much to say to you. You can sense Jesus' frustration. I have so much to say to you, more than you can now hear and bear. But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide, guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me because it is from Me that He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine. That is why I said the Spirit you will receive from Me what He will make known to you. Very dense passage of Scripture. A lot in it. But there are a number of insights we gain about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. And He is a paraclete. He is the counselor. He is the one who comes alongside, who is intimate, who is close. And He is truth. Not just He is truthful. You will say to someone that's a truthful person. But He is truth. He is truth. And here's this thing about He lives with you and in you. Now, we don't have the language and the science to adequately explain how that works. But it's the truth. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And He will not leave you, we are told. He teaches you. He reminds you of Jesus and He gives you peace. It is the Holy Spirit who brings us to conversion by convincing us of our sin and by helping us to see that it is through Jesus we are saved. He guides. He mentors. Now, there are some in the Christian faith who argue that being filled with the Spirit is a separate experience to becoming a Christian. They will say that becoming a Christian is like getting a car, but that being filled with the Spirit is like putting petrol in the tank. And they will argue that you need a separate experience whereupon you are filled with the Spirit, and that this separate experience is often accompanied by dramatic manifestations, things like laughing and falling down and speaking in tongues, etc., etc. Now, I don't want to get into a whole deep theological discussion about this at this point in the series. But simply to make this point, that although there are many who only become aware, and I think many of us in this room, who only become aware of the work and the life of the Holy Spirit after we have come to faith in Christ, and that this awareness can often be a deeply emotional and dramatic experience, as it was for me, by the way, the fact is that you cannot become a Christian without being filled with the Spirit. No one buys a car with a a tank with no petrol in it. And sure, it might need to be filled every now and then, but you cannot confess faith in Christ and become His follower without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit shows us our need for Jesus. The Holy Spirit helps us to accept Jesus. 
When we repent, we receive the Holy Spirit. And as I shared with you on Pentecost Sunday earlier this year, sometimes we spring leaks, you know, to be a little bit simplistic about it, but sometimes we spring leaks. We use up the petrol in the tank, and so we've got to fill up a little bit with the Holy Spirit. Just as Paul points out in Ephesians 5, verse 18, he says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, keep on being filled with the Spirit. Keep on every day being filled. Stop in at the petrol station and get topped up by the life and the work of the Holy Spirit. Friends, really the point I'm trying to make is that experiencing the Spirit as a Christian is a very normal thing. It is not an un, a, a scary thing or an unusual thing or a thing to be wary about. Experiencing the Holy Spirit is a very normal thing as a Christian. And using the language of today's image of the Spirit as our counselor, the one who draws alongside, we would speak of the filling of the Holy Spirit in terms of a relationship. But the key is maintaining a healthy relationship with our counselor. So Bernie will do well as ambassador to Lithuania, precisely because he has a local as his guide and as his counselor. But he will only be able to pick up on Diana's promptings and her whispers and her cues and her prods because of his intimate and comfortable relationship with his wife. And so to benefit from Diana's counsel, he has to make sure that his marriage is healthy and good. Friends, this is not rocket science. Like all relationships, our relationship with God, in which He writes His laws on our hearts, in which He draws alongside us as our counselor and comforter and guide, our relationship with God needs attention. And remember, as I pointed out to you at the beginning of the series, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He is a person. And He's not a machine or a computer into which we punch our commands and we expect certain results. A relationship with God is nurtured and it is deepened as we spend time with Him. Talking, learning, loving, listening, and then benefiting from His counsel alongside us as we grow more and more aware of His promptings and of His whispers. Amen. Heavenly Father, Today we pray for your Holy Spirit of fire to ignite within us a passion for your life and work in the world. We pray that you will place within our bellies a burning desire to, to please you, Lord, to work with you in bringing your life and love and justice, compassion and mercy to the world. We also ask that you forgive us for those moments when we have doused your Spirit's fire, when we have refused to be moved by you. For whatever reason, whatever excuses we've come up with. And Lord, we pray that in your anointing of us through your Holy Spirit, that we will find ourselves filled with courage, filled with strength, with a warrior spirit, as it were, um, just like the prophets of old, just like the apostles, just like countless others who have come before us and who have stood for you 
and for your truth. And so come Holy Spirit, we pray, come and light a fire of life, uh, passion, uh, courage within us all. We do not face the world alone. We face it in your strength. In Jesus' name. Amen.